Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pardon My Pancreas. My name is Matt Vandevecht, and I'm a certified trainer and nutritionist, one of your hosts today, and the other host is Ali Abdul Karim. He is a social media influencer, an incredible guy, and we are both type 1 diabetics here to share our knowledge and experiences with you. We occasionally interview people that are very knowledgeable in the diabetic world, sometimes doctors, sometimes influencers, people living with it. And this episode is brought to you by FTF Warrior, an online health coaching company for diabetics. And we will go further by saying this is not medical advice in any manner. We are not doctors. We will never be doctors. And nothing said on this podcast is meant to replace your doctor's order. So consult your doctors before you make changes. Without any further ado, let's get into... Welcome to Pardon My Pancreas Podcast. Today we are talking about diabetes and blogging and how to start and create and run a successful diabetes blog and all of the above with the famous Carrie Sparling. She is a blogger for Six Until Me and she is an incredible person. So welcome, Carrie. We are so excited to have you back on. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. Now, for those who may not have heard the last episode of your Pregnancy and Diabetes Podcast, what can you tell us about yourself? Um, maybe a little brief introduction, diagnosis, whatever you want to throw at them. Sure, sure. So um, uh, my name is Carrie Sparling, and I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes on September 11th in 1986. And so I've had type 1 for over 32 years. And I'm married. I have two kids. And we've got a cat rolling around this place somewhere. And uh, I don't know. I spend a lot of time being around other people who have uh, diabetes. And I find myself very lucky to be in that space. That's amazing. And for those who don't know, Carrie is not only a writer, she's a speaker and she wrote a book. Um, actually, you want to tell us a little bit about your book? The book is weird. And so the book um, was pitched to me by the publishing company. And they're like, can you write a book called Balancing Diabetes? And I was like, I can write a book, but I don't know if I can call it Balancing Diabetes because that's, <laughs> I don't know how to do that completely. But they really wanted to stick with the title. And so they allowed me to take my story and blend it with uh, the stories from, I think, 18 other uh, friends and colleagues in the diabetes online community so that I could give a more kind of global and nuanced look at what it's like to actually live with diabetes. So it's not a bunch of medical advice. It's like anecdotal evidence that life does go on and life can be awesome after a type 1 diagnosis. And now people are weaving diabetes into the, uh, the life that they want to live instead of kind of letting di diabetes dictate what goes on in their lives. So I'm very, very proud of it, but mostly because people have trusted me with their stories, and I really value uh, their their contributions. That's amazing. Sounds like such an uplifting mm. book and filled with hope. <laughs> <laughs> Except the title is a big fat lie. So if you can get past that part, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, then on to your blog. What inspired you to start the blog in the first place? And uh, I so go now start, I yeah, we'll start there. Oh, go ahead. What inspired you to start it? <laughs> so that that's another big fat lie because my blog is called Six Until Me, but I was actually seven when I was diagnosed. And that gets people a little tripped up because they think I was six when I was diagnosed. <laughs> so just want to get out there all clean with the with the, with the the facts there. Um, but so I wanted to start my blog. Um, we'll be back up to, I was diagnosed in 86. We used to do diabetes walks. I went to diabetes camp when I was a little kid, but that sort of emotional support petered out after when I was about 15. And so there was this long gap of time between 15 and 25 where I didn't know anybody else who didn't make their own insulin. And I didn't know anyone else who was living with <laughs> my blood sugar <laughs> over 160. Hang on a second. <laughs> Let me just fix that. Sorry. This is as it goes. Diabetes is real and it never stops. <laughs> That's right, man. But so like, basically I wanted to find people like you so that I could beep like that and not get judged for it. That is essentially why I wanted to start 
my blog. I At the time, I would put diabetes into Google and get a list of reasons why I was going to die or why my life was going to be compromised. And that mm. was the worst. I wasn't looking for doom and gloom. I wanted to find reasons why I could feel invested and excited about the life that I was living. And so I couldn't mm -hmm. find those stories. There were two or three other people blogging at the time, and I couldn't find exactly what I was looking for, but I found kindred spirits. And so I figured if I was looking for my story, that maybe if I told a little bit of my story, other people would start coming out and saying, oh yeah, this is what I do. And this is my story. And I was very, very lucky that that's exactly what happened. So I started my blog in May of 2005. And by June, my mom and my boyfriend at the time, he's now my husband, were reading it. And by July, there were like 50 people that I knew that had diabetes. And then mm. within a couple of months, there were hundreds of people that were raising their hand. And I just wanted to hug all of them. That's amazing. And it I know that cool. we start, we talked a little bit about you know the community starting up and I was like, oh, I didn't know about the community for a while. And you were like, well, when I was young, there wasn't really a community. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That and was you... so cold. I'm sorry. I was like, I walked uphill both ways to go to the endo. Like that was such a <laughs> crummy thing to say. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, it's it's true though. How you did help kickstart that community online and uh, what a big movement that's turned into. So it's incredible. And I know there's a lot, a lot of people who are thankful for all of your writing and uh, and for opening up and being vulnerable because it shows them what that life is really like with diabetes and that they're not the only ones that are suffering or having confusion or frustration. Mm -hmm. So from me and everyone else to you, thank you for all the work you've put into that blog. It's been no, incredible. I, I appreciate that. But it wasn't just, I mean, like Scott Johnson was online before me. Amy Tendrich was online uh, mm -hmm. before me. So be, knowing I was one of a few and have now grown to be one of many is that's exactly what I wanted in the first place. You don't want to be the only person who's out there saying diabetes stuff and but knowing that you are part of a group of hundreds of people like that feels like family and i like that so more is more and um we're we're all better for it i think yeah so initially you mentioned uh the name of your blog is a little mm -hmm. bit misleading <laughs> <laughs> it was before what? seo and diabetes in the blog title mattered i was trying to be a oh, poet. Yeah. backfired <laughs> <laughs> well what was the story behind it then so it's a really it's a really romantic story of a young girl at the age of six who started wetting the bed and got very frustrated <laughs> about wetting the bed. And my okay. family and I did not know that that was my first symptom of diabetes. They just thought that I was having sleep regression issues and that sort of thing. And so it wasn't until a couple months later after I was seven that I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And I remember my mom saying, oh my God, I'm so sorry that we like kind of yelled at you for wetting the bed. <laughs> so, oh no. <laughs> you know, we just didn't, we didn't know any better, but that was my first, uh, my first symptom. So six until me ultimately ties back to a story about pee. And that's that's not cool. So I don't tell that story very often. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, what's well, going out to the world now? You've made hey, a huge sorry. mistake. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Oh, my goodness. So it started with that. And then mm -hmm. as it grew, um, would you say that it evolved into something that you planned or that you didn't even know it would turn into? What was like the, no. the series of events? No, I, I started writing because I wanted to find other people like me. And then I continued writing because I had found them and I wanted to connect with them. And it's been almost 14 years of doing that. And I do it now for the same reason that I did it then, because diabetes is not just lab work and like going to the doctor and having blood drawn and what are those numbers, blah, blah. It's not just that. There is the, like the mental load that we carry of life with diabetes. And there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes people outside of the space can't understand, but those of us living with it, we know that you don't just get out of bed in the morning. You get out of bed. If you're wearing a pump, you make sure it's not going to fall on the floor or that the tubing is going to rip out. You probably grab your 
meter or your CGM off the bedside table so that you can look at your blood sugar. And then you're thinking, if I'm low, I'll do this. If I'm high, I'll do this. And if I'm completely in range, I'll jump into this before I end up low or high. And that's a lot to think about before you've even put your feet on the floor beside your bed in the morning. But I get that mm-hmm. about what you do. You get that about what I do. I don't even have to know your name to know something so intimate about something that you deal with every day. And that connection is indisputable. And I feel like that's what's happened across the diabetes community as a whole. You say you have diabetes, someone else they say says that they have it too. And all of a sudden there is this connection that's forged and it's like uh, intense. Yeah, it's true. We're all, and I'm for that. It's like your immediate best <laughs> friends. Like, you have diabetes too? Do we just become best friends? <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, you, you need this? Oh, you can borrow my meter. Sure. You need some insulin? Oh, you need some snacks? What was your yeah. name again? Like, you can get way deep down that rabbit hole before you even. And that's so, I think that is so nice. There's not a lot of nice things in the world, but the diabetes community remains it's a true. nice thing. And it's one of the pros that I would say, you know, it's like, all right, diabetes sucks, mm-hmm. but all these new friends I made, they're super cool and I love them. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's absolutely yeah. right. Man. Okay. So then growing up before you had your blog, you mentioned there were a couple of people in the online space before you. Um, were mm-hmm. you actively reading their blogs in an effort to get that community and to feel part of their lives or did you not know about them? Um, well, I put diabetes into Google and they they popped up. So like I said, Scott Johnson started blogging in December of 2004 and Amy Tenderich started in uh, February, I believe, of 2005. And I contributed MySpace, um, yeah, not MySpace, yeah. like MySpace, MySpace, <laughs> but like my digital blog space in May of 2005. And so I was reading their stuff. We would email one another. We would comment uh-huh. on each other's stuff. But as the community grew, we all stayed kind of in touch. And I have so much respect for, for them and their work and for them as people. Um, but then all these other voices started popping up. And so we got to know them too. And it just became like, like a like a potluck dinner where everybody brings like their favorite dish and always insulin. And that we were all kind of getting to know one another. And that was really, I think that was the one benefit of the community when it was smaller, because you had the opportunity to really get in and sink your teeth into people's stories and really get to know them. But the blessing of the community being so big now is that you can find literally anything that you're looking for topically in this space and confirmation that you're not alone with this nuanced thing about diabetes, you can find at least one other person who is dealing with that same nuanced thing. And that right there shows the power of being such a broad community of people who are willing to be vulnerable in that way. And I I just, I really do, I really do love that. I can't think of anything better than, you know, being saddled with an illness that you don't want and is really tough, but knowing that you never have to go it alone. Yeah. Ever. That's huge. That's, it makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. And I know as you went through and myself as well, Going through it feeling like you're alone is one of the worst things. There's no one to talk to That's about right. it, no one that gets what you're going through. And then you discover it and you're like, oh my gosh, everyone knows what I'm talking about. It's amazing. And it, yeah, it just changes yeah. your world. So yeah, it's incredible. Speaking of the people that you used to blog, you know, you talk back and forth and comment each other stuff, like Scott, did you ever mm-hmm. actually meet them in person? Yeah. So I, yeah, <laughs> I met Scott um, years and years ago. I've known. Scott, I mean, my daughter's obsessed with Scott. Like, it, <laughs> I, I don't know if diabetes makes people uh, kinder and gentler, but I feel like it might lend us towards that direction because I haven't mm. met a lot of people with diabetes who have really rubbed me the wrong way. People are very giving with their time. They're very generous with their stories. And they're, they seem like they're always willing to help one another. And that that's just, I mean, that just says a whole lot about the community. So I've met a lot of them in person. I'm I'm on the board for the Children with Diabetes organization, and this is that's a great uh, organization that runs a conference called Friends for Life 
in July in Orlando, which doesn't sound like a place you'd want to go to like July in Orlando, but you do <laughs> want to go there. It's pretty awesome because there are so many people just like us, whether you are an adult with type one, like, like we are, whether you're a parent with type one, raising a child, um, like, like I am, if you are a, a young family with children diagnosed with diabetes, you can go there too. Like there's something for everybody and being able to be around people uh, who get it. It just uh, being in the room with them in particular is magical. And so stuff like that really introduced me in person to people that I was otherwise connected to digitally and pancreatically. Yeah. And I actually was just hearing about Friends for Life for the first time uh, about a month ago. This person I was oh, no telling me about it was like, it's the best thing ever. If you don't go to it, you're crazy. You, you need to get this experience in your life. I'm like, wow, she is on fire for this thing. I actually might need to check this out. <laughs> and now, Oh, so once we're done recording, we're going to have a little, a little download on yeah. Friends for Life because it's pretty awesome. <laughs> That's what I keep hearing. So uh, I'm so grateful to hear about these events popping up around the nation, around the world, mm-hmm. where people can actually meet in person. And share yeah. their stories, their victories, their struggles. And uh, I know I met you at TCOID's event. And yeah, that's right. That's another great organization that brings together. And they and they are very open uh, in making sure that people with type two are feeling supported and get the information that they need too. So, like, there are a lot of different groups working to make sure that people who need to be connected are getting connected. Yeah, and they're popping up all over the place. It's so encouraging <clears throat> mm-hmm. to see these people you know, starting new events and allowing for diabetics around the world to connect and feel like they're not going on this alone. So that's yeah, right. while that's not even part of today's topic, I think it should be part of <laughs> it should be part of everyone's life. If you're not going to events, you need to start because it's going to change mm-hmm. your world. And uh, yeah, it's something that I would highly recommend. Good PSA. Yeah. Well done. But back to the blogging <laughs> question. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Right. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> What was your favorite blog post that you ever made? Oh, that's a good question. I um I've written like a lot of blog posts. It's been Yeah, how many have you written actually? I, I couldn't even begin <laughs> to do the math. Like um maybe at least at least a thousand, at least. I mean it's been fourteen wow. years and I used to write every day. And then some weeks I don't oh, write wow. as often write. So there's a lot of content that I've created for better or for worse that's out there. But I guess um like one of one of the proudest blog posts I've ever written uh, were the two where I got to say that my children were safely born. That was, um, and I know we talked about that on the yeah. pregnancy podcast, so we won't get too much into it, but just being able to be a different version of a diabetes and pregnancy story when a lot of people are used to the story of steel magnolias, I really am very proud of that. And it's not just me. There are hundreds of women with diabetes who have successfully had pregnancies and, and have told their stories. But I really, I feel very proud of being part of that group of people who, when somebody says, oh, a pregnancy with diabetes, that's like a steel magnolias thing. It's like, no, haven't you read these blogs by all these different people who have, who get it done? Because I know that parents of newly diagnosed little kids are like, well, what about my daughter's future? Is this something if she wants it that mm. she can pursue? And I like being a yes for them. Yeah. yeah that's got to be world changing for them as well. Hearing that yes. Like, oh, there is hope. I can do this. Yeah, well, just being able to say yes too is pretty nice. Yeah, absolutely. And so. you've set that incredible example, and you've you've you set out to prove the Steel of Magnolia movie wrong, and you did it mm-hmm. amazingly. So that's a wonderful thing that you've been able to do and and share with the world. <laughs> so with the blog, if there, I know there's like a lot of new bloggers popping up like every day, which is awesome, and everyone wants to share their story and be part of this community. What would be the top three things? in your opinion, that a person would need to focus on when starting a blog? Because that can be a whole new realm they're diving into. Oh, man. Okay. Well, like, I 
I'm honestly, I'm not sure if people are starting blogs the same way that they used to. I feel like when I started in uh, 2005, long form blogging, long form narratives about diabetes were more common. People had the time to sit and write them and people on the flip side had the time to sit and read them. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of times more currently, what we're able to take in and put out has to be um, reduced a little bit in scope and size. And so I, I personally have seen a tendency towards newer uh, diabetes and Instagram people or people sharing their voices on Twitter or just in more microblogging sort of senses. And that doesn't mean that there aren't new long-form bloggers popping up, but I feel like it's not as common as it was when I first started. Mm-hmm. Um, but whether you're starting a blog or Instagram or Twitter or wherever you feel like sharing your stuff, I, I don't know if I have three things. There might All just right. be one. And that would be, and that would be to remain uh, authentic. And that sounds like a friggin' buzzword. <laughs> and I realize that. And I'm sorry I said it, but I would still say it again because if you are getting, if you are sharing your story in pursuit of anything other than bettering the community, you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's the I can strongly and firmly state that because I feel like there are in other communities, especially like there are tendencies to get into things because you want to become known or you want to do this. And it's like, but this, this is about our health. So I think that's what makes the diabetes community different. We're not in it to get Mm -hmm. followers. We're in it to make a difference. You can make a difference by having followers, but it's the story that you're telling that matters the most. And so if you're putting your story out there in a way that is, um, that is, uh, you have a high level of integrity, you are being kind, you are doing your best to spread good information and not misinformation. And you're patient with people who are learning and getting adjusted to this new normal. I feel like that's the best way that we can help people societally change the way they view diabetes and also within our own little microcosm community can help make people feel more at peace with this thing that we've got to wrangle for the rest of our lives. So if you want to get involved in this space, you have to be willing to put your heart and your pancreas into it and care less about the comments and the followers and the stuff and more about the difference that you can make for yourself and for the people whose lives you have the opportunity and the privilege to touch. I love how you said put your heart and your pancreas into it because our pancreas is like, yeah, it's an empty bed. Of- <laughs> it still does stuff, but it just doesn't do that one particular bit of stuff that I'm most it's angry true. about. So. Oh man. Actually, you know, I just thought of a, a question for you. The, uh, the blog, did it serve as kind of a launching pat, sorry, launching platform, uh, for your speaking mm-hmm. and for your book and all that kind of stuff or were those all separate? So no, it, the whole thing was accidental and I feel embarrassing. I feel a little bit embarrassed to say that because I feel like I should come in to this podcast saying, well, here's the business plan for blogging and here's how you do X, Y, and Z. That is not how this worked. I started this because I wanted to share my story and I felt lucky to be able to do that. I felt even luckier to be able to connect with people. And then things like um, writing jobs and speaking engagements and books and that sort of stuff, they were just a, a byproduct that I was lucky to have, but they still aren't the reason why I wanted to do it and why I would continue to do it. Um, that sort of stuff kind of happened organically. And I think because I started and I was one of the first diabetes bloggers and I continued to write for a very long time, um, I just became someone that you could point to that you could say, well, they've done that for a long time and they are still doing it. And that's, that's, that's their stick. It's just good timing. Yeah. I think it was good content too. Like you mentioned authenticity. It doesn't get much more authentic than you sharing your stories and being vulnerable and, and not holding back. Yeah. Well, you know what though? I, I don't know if you do it too when you put together your stuff, but there are things you hold back on because there's this mantra that somebody stuck in my head a bunch of years ago that once it's published, it's forever public. And so I've always taken that to heart. Like I never, I've kept my kids' names offline because that's, mm-hmm. I feel like that's important for me to give them autonomy in what they decide to share. And I've overstepped in some ways with them, but I try to keep their existences 
private and personal so that they're not embarrassed or feel judged by anything that I've written about them. So I always think about those sorts of things. I don't say, you know, where, what my street address is. I don't say where I live, even though I live mm-hmm. in Rhode Island. So, I mean, it's kind of small, but <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not like I live in Texas. But I just, I feel like you need to be careful about what you're putting out there. I don't write about arguments I have with my husband or issues that I have with my mother or my mother-in-law or my brother and sister. Like Mm. some things it's okay for me to keep private because you don't owe anybody anything. But the diabetes side of my story is what I've chosen to share. And I feel comfortable saying, you know, I was low this morning. I have learned some lessons Mm -hmm. over the way though. Like I used to share my A1C and people would run commentary on what my A1C was, which is their right to run that commentary, but I stopped sharing it because I realized that my skin wasn't thick enough to um, accept that commentary. And so I had to kind of learn where my boundaries were and be kind of, I don't know, kind to myself and not putting out more than I felt comfortable putting out there. Does that yeah, make sense? It's, it's that completely makes sense. And it's good to know the boundaries. Um, I was lucky enough to have my wife be part of my movement with, mm-hmm. you know, FTF warrior and everything. And so, um, while I do share her stories and she's part of everything we do, you're right. There are things that I don't share about. Her. I'm not going to talk about the arguments that we have or, you know, if we go get away and have a vacation for a couple of days, there's no need for me to jump on the internet to tell everybody about it. We should That's enjoy right. our time. Yeah. And yeah. someone will rob your house. So you probably want to keep that information to yourself, <laughs> at least until you're home. <laughs> Very true. Although hopefully they don't know where I live. That would be yeah. another whole problem. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the dark side of the internet, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Okay. So with the book that you put together with other people, um, how did writing blogs differ from writing a book? Blogging was a way that I could say what I wanted to say when I wanted to say it without having to ask anyone's permission or have it edited. And that was a blessing and a curse because there are a bunch of typos that I've stuck out there that I would have done well not to do. And um, it just maybe stories that I might not have told had I been in complete control of my own like narrative. But um, I, I mean, a book feels structured and planned and a blog feels organic and free. And I like being able to publish and say things when I feel like it and respond to things when I feel like it. But that said, my mom used to think that the blog was written every single morning and that if she saw a post go up on my site, she could confirm that I was awake and safe. And then I told her about the auto. Oh, no. Yes. And so then I told her about the feature for auto publishing where you can write something the night before or a couple of days before and then set it to publish at a, a set time. And she was like, wait, so if a blog post goes up, and this was years ago that she figured this out, that doesn't mean that you're yeah. awake and you wrote it that morning. I was like, well, not every time. And so then she started calling me. <laughs> Just to make and I felt really bad about that. <laughs> but um, I think it's been interesting too, just kind of going into that a little bit that my, my mother and my siblings and my father have learned a lot about how I manage diabetes. And a lot of it was new to them, even though they grew up with me and lived in the house with me and saw me every day and helped me with this. They still didn't know a lot of the emotional burden of diabetes. And I think that my website has helped show my family what di- where diabetes mm-hmm. lives in my head a little bit. That's a good way of putting it. So with this whole blog topic mm-hmm. kind of wrapping up, I know uh, you've got to get on with your day. <laughs> um, you mentioned recently that you may be shutting mm-hmm. the blog down or not shutting it down, but not contributing to it. Is that uh, something that's happened? Oh, you're being so careful with your words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am um, on Friday. Uh, so Friday was my birthday and I decided as a gift to myself, I was going to shut the site down because I didn't feel like maintaining it was something that I wanted to do anymore. And I mm. was comfortable with that. It's been a long time. And I thought that maybe it was okay for me to tell my story in a different way. Okay. Yeah. And I know that, um, actually I don't know. Are you 
leaving the content up as is? I haven't decided. Okay. I don't know. I don't. There's 14 years of blog posts on there, and I was 25 when I started the website. So I'm like, man, I should go back and make sure that I want all that stuff living on the internet in perpetuity. <laughs> so I might go take a look here and there and maybe take down some photos of my kids and that sort of stuff. I, I know okay. I'll leave portions of the content available for people to look at if they want to. It's just, I, it was less, what am I going to do with it afterwards? And just more, I wanted it to be kind of clear and known that I love this space and I love this community. Um, mm. And I want to do something a little bit different. And so I wanted to give a little heads up that the site wouldn't be uh, maintained after May. Okay. And so you're going to continue putting up content until May? Is that how that yep. works? Okay. Yeah. So after- yeah, because I read a couple articles on shutting down a blog and they're like, don't say you're shutting it down and then shut it down that day. That's kind of mean <laughs> to people who've been reading for a long time. Yeah. And I don't want to put it to bed in that way either. So right. I'll spend the next 90 days or so figuring out how I'd like to net things out. Okay. And then do you have a plan for what's next or are you going to keep that to yourself I- and not share? <laughs> um, I think I'll share incrementally as, as things come up. I just... Um, I just wanted a little a little breather from daily content on on a website, and I, I think I wanted a little mental breather from diabetes too. Because mm-hmm. as you know, you can write about it, and that's one thing, and you can go to the doctor's office, and that's another thing. But you kind of have it with you all the time, and sometimes it's okay to put the things that aren't necessary down so that you can focus on other things, knowing full well that you still have to maintain the diabetes side of your life, just maybe not the content production around it. So yeah, <laughs> thought I'd give myself a a little bit of an out with that. And um, and as much as I loved it and I love the community, it doesn't bring me the same kind of uh, fulfillment it did when I first started. And I feel like if for a year or two I was thinking about closing it down, just that thought process of wanting to do that meant that it was probably a good idea yeah. to follow through. And there's no harm in that. It's okay to let things end. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll cry about it in May, <laughs> but probably not today. <laughs> That's good. And I know you mentioned with diabetes, it we'd never do get a break from it. It's 24 seven, 365. And to then choose to make diabetes part of what you do, whether it's your career Mm -hmm. or if it's just a a hobby, uh, either Mm -hmm. way, you're adding more diabetes into your life. And even if it is positive content, you're still focusing on it. And so, you know, there are uh, a number of reasons why it's healthy to take a break from focusing every ounce of your energy onto diabetes. And so I can mm-hmm. see that I've, uh, I've seen a number of people take that approach more temporarily, but I'm excited to see what's going on with uh, the Carrie Sparling world in May. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah. So with your blog, if you could do anything differently, what would it be? We'll, we'll get close to the end. With, with my blog, I would have called it seven until seven. May, for okay. sure. Because <laughs> then I would have removed all the ambiguity for my stupid pee story <laughs> from the beginning. <laughs> You know, that, but that may have been, that might be it, honestly, because I am, I've loved doing this. I really have. And I, I even more so love the community that I've had the opportunity to grow up um, inside of and with. And I just like, I don't, it's, I'm not usually at a loss for words, but there's no way to really describe how immeasurably better my life is as a result of having connected with people who get what this is like. Like it's changed the way that I view diabetes. It's, it's, embedded a layer of hope into even the darkest thoughts that I have about diabetes. And I'm convinced that things are going to be okay because I see evidence of that, even in people who are struggling with all kinds of different things in the community, um, that it's that it's going to be all right. And for the moments where it's not, that we'll kind of hold one another up. And that has just made such a huge difference that um, there's no there's no blog post I can write that says that the way that I truly feel, you know? Yeah. 
Well, that's amazing. And I'm so glad to hear that it's had such a positive impact on your life. And um, You all are good people. <laughs> as are you. And you've, you've shown the world what diabetes can look like in a positive light. You've shown them that pregnancy is possible and that uh, diabetes won't hold you back. So uh, mm-hmm. thank you for being that role model for a lot of people. Oh, well, yeah, not role model, but one of us. Yeah. And one of us. (laughs) That's right. Absolutely. So thank you for that. Yeah. All right. So to close out then this whole blogging world and podcast, uh, what is the best piece of advice that you would want to give your fans or aspiring bloggers or even just to the community as a whole? Advice for this, it is to, if you are feeling like you need community to go and seek it, that there's no reason why anyone should have to feel isolated and alone with diabetes. And diabetes can be dark and it can be, like you had mentioned, you know, a positive outlook. My outlook hasn't always been positive. And if there's been posts that I've written that have been very like kind of distressing, and those seem to resonate a lot for people because I feel like sometimes we get this picture perfect view of diabetes or that it might seem too easy or gosh, we make it look so good. But when you write about this stuff, it's really Mm -hmm. challenging and difficult. It allows somebody else to say, I struggle with that too. And being able to say that out loud actually makes me struggle with it less. And if if there's one thing that we can do for one another as a community, it would be to help build each other up in our moments of triumph, but also in the moments where we're struggling. And that's, that's where we really shine as a group. And so advice for people or like maybe my aspiration for the community going forward would be to continue to share honestly and support one another um, just just without without question. I love it. Excellent advice. <laughs> oh, and I just heard my son and my husband get home from school and somebody's crying downstairs. I'm just going to hope it's my son, but I should probably go check out. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, <laughs> thank you so much for hopping on here today and sharing all of your amazing information. I hope the best for you in what's next in May. And uh, thank you again for everything you've done for the community. Oh, thank you. Ser- seriously. Thank you. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Please let us know what you guys want to hear more of. We've got some exciting interviews coming up with the experts. Got some storytellers, got some doctors, got some really cool stuff coming up. But please let us know what you want to hear because we do take your considerations seriously. Considerations, yeah? (laughs) Everything you say, we listen to with a grain of salt. Have a great day, guys, and keep up the fight.